Here is what is, what, what is, what is um, coming to me, so to speak. You know, there's something about the end in the beginning. You know what I mean? And, and you think, what is the whole big picture? What is, what is God after? What is it going to look like when we get to the end of the whole thing? And so the issue of the glory of the Lord comes to mind. And I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I recognize the glory of God is the very essence of his being. Amen? And the Bible says in Ephesians, sorry, in Hebrews 2 verse 10, it doesn't just say that Jesus came to get us saved and born again, but it says he came to bring many sons, what? To glory. To glory. It says in 2 Thessalonians, I believe, chapter 2 and verse 14, that in Christ we have obtained the glory of the Lord. Jesus prayed about it in John chapter 17. Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them that they might be one. Well, we have obtained that glory. Again, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and I believe verse 3, it says, um, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness and who has called us to glory and virtue. So the fact of the matter is, here we are, we are born again, and the glory of the Lord is on the inside of our spirit, is it not? Yes. Amen? Not some of it, but all of it. But then the glory of the Lord is the very essence of his being. And we do have him. We are filled with all of his fullness, are we not? Yes. So of course we have the glory of the Lord on the inside. But then when we read in Isaiah, chapter 6, and I believe verse 1, that that glory of the Lord is to be risen where? Upon us. To the point where it should be seen. And then when you go even further and you look in places like Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14. And we, we see that the whole earth is to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as, as water cover the sea. Amen. We see that in Isaiah 6 and verse 3. We see that again where? In um, Numbers 21 I believe in verse 14. So the, in other words the end point is. God wanted to give us himself. Like, how rich is that? How gracious is that? How wonderful is that? You know what I mean? Like, God so loved the world, he gave us his son. This says, there is no greater love, but that he would lay down his life. It says, herein is the love of God made perfect. That we have, it says, 1 John 4, 16, 17. It says, we have, we have, known, we have known and believed the love that the Father has for us. We have known and believed that love. And it says, here it is that love made perfect. Here is the, is the perfection and the manifestation of that love. That as he is, so are we in this world. That we might have boldness in the day of judgment. So God literally, his desire, his heart was so rich, so giving, so gracious, beyond our finite mind can possibly comprehend. That, I mean, to bless us with every spiritual blessing, to give us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, to give us his very best, to give us his son, and to give us himself, all of himself. And that was his desire from the very beginning. And as if that is not enough, right, on top of that, he wants this whole earth to be filled with his glory. And he wants... Us to, I mean, we aren't even to settle with the glory that we have on the inside of us, but for that glory to be risen upon us. Oh man, this, is, this gospel is wonderful. 
And by the way, it says in going back to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14, that we have obtained that glory through the gospel. Amen? The gospel, this gospel of grace. So, and then this, this verse of scripture is what, is, what, um, is what I was just hearing at the back there. Psalms 85 and verse 9. So let's begin there. Amen? Psalms 85 and verse 9. Say the glory. Hallelujah. Psalms 85 and verse 9 says, Surely his salvation is nigh, it's near. <laughs> it's near to those who fear him, who reverentially and worshipfully fear him, the Amplified says. A fear that is ready to be appropriated. The Amplified again, that the manifested presence of God, his glory, his excellence. And um, Isaiah 35 verse 2 describes the glory of God as the excellency of God. That his glory, his excellence may tabernacle and abide in our land. King James, surely his salvation is near to them that fear him that the glory may dwell in our land. Now, the positioning of this fear of the Lord here says, surely his salvation is near to them that fear him, that glory might dwell in the land. In order that you wipe out the fear of the Lord, you kind of have to wonder, will glory dwell in the land? Will that glory be risen upon us? Will the earth be filled with the glory of the Lord as water cover the sea? Right? In other words, is this thing so important that it connects up with a very big picture with, with God's end time goal? Yes. Think about that. That's interesting. But anyway, so let's go back to, so because in all of this here, and, and I, you know, we, are trust, we are together trusting God as to where this is going, are we not? Yes. Amen. But I believe one of the things that needs to be accomplished is for us to come away with a comprehension of the fear of the Lord um, and, and specifically from where we are in the new covenant, from a new covenant perspective. Um, in other words, the fear of the Lord here and now. All right? Where is here? Here is wherever you are. <laughs> Whether it be in Christ. <laughs> Seated at the Father's right hand, whether it be here sitting on that chair, here and now, and the now that we are in is now. Now is salvation nearer than when we first began. Now, now is, is, um, now is the new covenant that we're in. Now is today. Amen? Hallelujah. So we need to get that, we need to grasp that, the, the, the comprehension of the fear of the Lord, and particularly as it pertains to the new covenant. Now turn with me to um, Hebrews chapter 12. Now we do have to look at it because here is the thing. Um, if you were to get a concordance and study out the fear of the Lord, fear it, and so on and so forth, you will find something, and don't, don't, don't quote me on this, but you might probably have about 50 <coughs> verses regarding the 50 or more 
verses about the fear of the Lord and stuff like that. Actually, I'll probably say about 75 verses on the fear of the Lord for every one verse of the fear of the Lord or, or something like it in the New Covenant. That's a huge discrepancy, wouldn't you say? All right? And I want to know why. Okay? All right? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the name of the Lord is to be feared from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, is it not? Okay. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me put this out there, and then we'll circle the wagon around a bit. The fear of the Lord, at the end of the day, it is honoring God, it is reverence for God, it's magnifying God, it's exalting God. It is, it is the right response. It's responding to the revelation of who God is. Amen? It is responding to the revelation of who God is. And quite frankly, in the New Covenant, we have a far greater revelation of who God is than the Old Covenant. Do we not? Think about it. All right? Then you whom only as God, we know him as Father. Amen? In the New Covenant, we got a revelation of the love of God that they did not have. The Bible says the law was given by Moses, but grace came to Jesus Christ. In the Old Covenant, um, Abraham believed God and it was what? Accounted. Accounted. Credited to him for what? Righteousness. righteousness. It was credited to him for righteousness. But in the New Covenant, Jesus was made to be sin for us and we are made what? Would you prefer to be reckoned righteousness or would you prefer to be made righteous? Really, we got a better deal. Amen. Amen. So think about it. So why is this discrepancy between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant regarding the subject of the fear of the Lord, apparently? Amen. But again, I've just pointed out a few differences there. And in fact, the, only, the, the, the number one, what, what has changed? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. Is that right? What has changed between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? Mm -hmm. What has changed? Come on. Grace. Grace? Give me another word. The cross? Isn't it a cross? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it a sacrifice? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Wherefore we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We have got the exceeding greatness of his power on the inside of us. Do we not? Yes. We have got the glory of God on the inside of us. The kingdom of God does not come with observation, but the kingdom of God is where? It is within us. The kingdom of God um, rules it over all. Uh, the kingdom of God can, that we have cannot be moved. It is not shaken. Is that right? It is awesome. Right? It, it rules over all. And it's, it's so all-consuming. It, it, it encompasses so much that, man, it is worth selling everything you have to get a hold of that kingdom. Isn't that right? And we've got it. Say, I got it. That kingdom of God is within us and it cannot be moved. That being the case, let us have grace. Let us have grace. The, 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 yes. The sufficiency of God, the provision of God, the enablement of God, and so on. Let us have grace. The riches of God at Christ's expense. Let us have grace. Why? Why? Okay, this kingdom is within us. So, let us have grace. It is a faith that might be by grace. Let us have grace, whereby, through which, 
we may serve God acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. In other words, some or the other, here we have this kingdom within us. And that being the case, this, as awesome as this kingdom is, let us have grace. And by that grace, in order that we could get a hold of that grace, something else is going to happen. We will be able to serve God with reverence and godly fear. We will be able to, we will be able to have and function in the fear of the Lord. Does that make sense? So there must be something about grace that induces or stirs up or produces the fear of the Lord. Wouldn't you, doesn't that sound like it? Well, if it is, then we need to find scripture. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, The grace of God, verse 11, The grace of God that bring it, bring it what? Salvation, isn't that right? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us, grace teaches, say grace teaches, teaching us to live what? Soberly and righteously and so on. And to live soberly and to live righteously. Does anybody have the verse right in front of them? Yes. Huh? Yes. Read it, read it aloud, please. Verse 12 particularly. Oh, verse 12? Mm-hmm. Okay. Teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Okay. That is a, that, that there, that verse 12 says, that grace teaches us what? The fear of the Lord. Amen? So the grace teaches us the fear of the Lord. Well, why does grace, how could grace teach us the fear of the Lord? Now remember, the fear of the Lord is the response to his majesty, to his awesomeness. In other words, when, when, when you see how awesome he is, you just go, ah. Oh. <laughs> Amen? And really, if I were to put it in one single word, I would say the fear of the Lord is awe. Is that awe of God. Amen? Just awe. (laughs) But you got to be seeing something. You got to be having a comprehension. You've got to be having a knowledge of God. But now you see, why would the grace of God teach you the fear of the Lord? Why would the grace of God produce or evoke this, 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 um, this um, fear of the Lord. Well, for one thing, because of the grace of God, we've got a wonderful thing called forgiveness. Amen. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Now it says in Psalms 130, verse 3, right? And this is verse 3 and 4. Please check it out. And if I don't quote it exactly, you check it out and clean it up. <laughs> <All right>? <laughs> <But> so, <laughs> Psalms 130, verse 3 says, and I'm paraphrasing, what if God was counting up all your iniquities? One. Two, three, and keeping a record of it. Who would be able to stand? Nobody. But then the next verse, verse 4 says, But there is forgiveness with God. But there is forgiveness with God. And then it goes on to say um, that we might fear him. In other words, when I recognize the depth and the magnitude of his forgiveness and his mercy, oh, what happened? I just go, ah. Are you with me? And and the grace of God produces that forgiveness, the knowledge of that forgiveness. The grace of God that brings it what? Salvation. How great is the salvation? What does the salvation include? Does it include deliverance? Does it include prosperity? Does it include healing? 
Does it include divine protection? It produces all of this stuff. The grace of God points to the very mercy and the riches of his kindness and, his, and how gracious he is, how merciful he is. But then you see, when you start talking about how merciful God is, how, how gracious he is, how faithful he is, you are talking about the very essence of his being. Isn't that right? So then that grace of God magnifies and, shed, and, and, and puts a spotlight on the very elements of his glory, the very elements of himself, his very, his very characteristics. And that is why it, would, it also will provoke worship. He that is forgiven a lot loves a lot. Amen? So it, it, it does that. And because it, it brings, brings out the essence of his being, then, and, and, and the, because it does that, and then the fear of the Lord literally responds with awe. Oh. Then the fear of the Lord, seeing who God is, responds. Responds with awe, responds with obedience, responds with trust, responds with a desire to become to become aligned with him, with his mind. Amen. Let's turn to it's a turn to um okay for the sake of time yeah, let's turn to Isaiah Isaiah chapter 40, just for a moment. It would be wonderful if we had the time to go and build up scriptures that can talk about, about the majesty of God and his excellence. But that alone would just take one meeting. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to do some homework on this. But just, just a little glimpse, nevertheless. Isaiah chapter 40. Who had measured the waters, verse 12, who had measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with his span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure? And weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who had directed the spirit of the Lord, or, uh, be, or being his counselor, had taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the paths of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, as, are, as, are, as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as small dust. Of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the eyes as a very little thing. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the bees thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All the nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will you liken God? And what likeness will you compare unto him? Who is like unto the Lord? That is why there is none like him. And to him belongs all glory and praise and worship. He is to be exalted and magnified above all else. Which is the very attitude of the fear of the Lord. And even in seeing that you will see the connection between the fear of the Lord and, and, and even the praise and the worship of God. There's a verse of scripture that, that I've heard over the last couple of weeks here which is in Psalms 5. And I'm just, just a little tiny turn here. Psalms 5 and verse 7. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear will I worship towards thy holy temple. Because what, so you see, because what, what, what is the issue about worshiping God? Isn't it because of who he actually is? Not just because of what he's done. But then what is the fear of the Lord doing? It's magnifying. It's seeing who he is and he's saying there is none like you. You're awesome. You're magnificent. 
To whom then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare him to? Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 21, have you not known? Have you not heard? Had it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the word? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. How many of you have had, how many of you like making up the bed? Eh? Isn't it sometimes a struggle? Especially if you know if you have those, you know, the, you know those fitted things that has to go around the edges, the one at the bottom that you gotta put over here and then over here. You ever, you ever seen that? And then you pull it and then the next side come out. <laughs> and you gotta stretch the thing. And I mean, it would help so much if somebody else will hold the next side. I mean, you struggle just to make up the bed. <laughs> and he takes the whole skies and heaven and he stretches it like a curtain all by himself. <laughs> Think about it. I'm just trying to point and make a picture. God is awesome. Yes, yes. Right? God is, 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 is magnificent. Turn with me to... Um, Exodus chapter 33. Because the glory of the Lord is responding to the revelation of who God is. The problem with the wicked, that the reason why the wicked don't fear the Lord is because they don't, they don't know him. Amen? Amen? The Bible says no man can see God and live. If the wicked sees God, he dies. His pride dies. Amen? Confidence in himself dies. Flesh dies. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Exodus 33. The, because think about the wicked. He just does not esteem God. I mean, he sees God as a, 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 a some as the big man upstairs. He sees God as sometimes he has some idea that, that God is the mother earth and, and all that kind of stuff. Right? And that is, I mean, I understand that all these things reveal aspects of the glory of God, but that's not God. God is awesome. God is magnificent. Isaiah chapter 33, um, Moses was in a situation, and you could come back and read the whole story, but in about verse 12, um, Moses has said to the Lord, see that you bring up all these, you, you bring up all these people, and you have, you've let me know that you, you're going to, that, um, and you haven't let me know who you're going to send with me. I know you say, you say to me how you know me by name. I'm in verse 12. And that I found grace in your sight. Now therefore I pray you. If I have indeed found grace in your sight. Show me now your way. Now that's a very important phrase. Show me your way. Because when we study the fear of the Lord. One of the things we will see about the fear of the Lord. And, and when stuff come up, I got to just play and turn to it and give it to you because I know I'm limited in time. All right? And I might say something and not get back to it. But as we talk about trying to get a comprehension of the fear of the Lord, one of the things we'll find, for instance, in Psalms 128 and, and quite a few other places, it says, Blessed is everyone that fear the Lord, that walks in his ways. The, one of the things about the fear of the Lord is not only desiring the ways of the Lord, to know the ways of the Lord, but walking in the ways of the Lord. When you understand that and then you project the, the fear of the Lord into the new covenant, what are the ways of the Lord? Is faith the way of the Lord? 
Is love the way of the Lord? Huh? Is holiness the way of the Lord? Is righteousness the way of the Lord? Is unity the way of the Lord? Oh, the, so it's the ways of the Lord. Right? And, 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 um, and in another place it says, anyway, the issue about the ways of the Lord, hold that thought. So, so Moses says, okay, God, you want me to bring these people out of here? You're giving me this assignment. Who's going to go with me? And you say, I found grace in your sight. You say you like me, <laughs> right? And you say you know me, you know me by name and all of that. Who is going to go with me? <laughs> so, and he, so God, Moses says, consider this nation your people. Verse 14. And, and, and he said, and God answered and said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. That's, that's good. And that's the thing that makes us special. We got the presence of the Lord. And he said unto him, I mean, Moses really had a, had a way with God. He says, if your presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. God could have said, I just said, did you hear me? I said, I gonna, my presence is going to go with you. But Moses said, if your presence don't go with us, don't carry us up out of here. For wherein shall, shall it be known here that, that I and these people have found favor in your sight? Have found grace in your sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separate? Say separate. separate. That's another very important thing about the fear of the Lord. That's a very another important thing about us as believers. We are saints. We are a consecrated people. We are a separated people. We belong to God. We are not our own. Amen? We are unique in this earth from any, any religion of any sort. We're not even a religion. We, we, it's a relationship that we have. Christianity. And what marks, uh, what marks this relationship is that God is in us. Isn't that right? Isn't that correct? He says, we are, um, so shall we be, be separate, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses could have said, thank you, amen, glory, hallelujah. But Moses said, I beseech you now, since I'm on a roll and you're in a, and, and you're in a mood of saying yes, then let's talk some more. Could you show me your glory? I mean, it's nice all these miracles and all of this stuff, but I want to know what's behind it. What's in it, inside of you? Who are you? What's, what, what makes you move? I want to know the very essence of your being. And that word glory has to do with splendor. It has to do with the heaviness of God. The, 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 the very excellence, the, the weightier part of it, of, of God. He says, I want to show me your glory. Show me your glory. And he said, I beseech you, show me your glory. And, and he said, God says, now God could have said, okay, fine, I'll show you my glory. But listen to what God said. I will make all, say all, all my goodness pass before you. That's his glory. You know, we use the phrase, Shekinah glory in the manifested presence of God. And, and, and the manifested goodness, it is an aspect. All of his goodness. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. I'll show mercy to whom I will show mercy. 
And, and then he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass that while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will, and, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but not my face shall thou see. In other words, God, he just said, look. So in other words, the glory of God is all of his goodness, it's all of his mercy, it's all of who he is, it's all of his kindness, it's the perfection of his judgment, it is the very essence of his being. But at the same time, he said to Moses, I could only show you a little glimpse. Because if I was to totally unveil myself before you and let you see all of my heaviness and all of my, my, my magnificence and all of my splendor, which is to be risen upon you, if I man, you would not be able to survive. It would be like taking a human being and putting him right next to the sun. I mean, it would probably fry him. Now, thank God that we have, we are, we are, we, 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 we got new wine skins. Amen. I understand that. Yes. Amen. And we're going to be in that place where with a glorified body, where we will see him and we will know even as we are known and so on. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it, and, and I'm going to come to that, but the thing about it is that if you were to somehow stand in the very presence of the son, the son of righteousness, mm -hmm. that shall arise with healing in his wings. Unto them that fear my name, the son of righteousness. If you were to come to the very sun, that, 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 that sun that we see out there, and you could come close enough to it and not melt and not dissolve, do you believe the life and the power and the radiance that, that is coming out of that sun would permeate your entire being? Do you believe it will affect your thinking? Would it, <laughs> would it affect your attitude? How much time would you have to be whining? How much time would you have to be murmuring? How much time would you have to be complaining? How much time would you have to even be doubting? It would just absolutely permeate you. Well, the fact of the matter is, when we study this along, don't forget the fear of the Lord is this right response to God. Ah, it is seeing who he is. Man, when you see his goodness, when you see his faithfulness, when you see the depths and the, the dimensions of his mercy, what happens? We can trust him. We can love him. We can believe him. Amen? So it, 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 so, it is this response to God and the magnificence and the essence of his being. That is, the, that, that is what the fear of the Lord is all about. And in the new covenant, God is still the same. He hasn't changed. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, so it says, so God says, anyway, let's, let's skip the chapter 34. Da, 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 da. Skip, skip, skip. Verse 5. And the Lord descended in a cloud, and he stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord, exactly like he said he was going to do. Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you, and I'm going to declare my name. Amen. And he proclaimed, the, the, and he proclaimed, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness, and, and abundant in truth, keeping mercy for thousands, 
Forgiving. Are you with me? What is he declaring? He's declaring the very essence of his being. It's like he's taking the glory of God, like I've said sometimes before, where it's like taking light, passing it through the prism, P-R-I-S-M, and then what happens? You get red, orange, yellow, indigo, violet, blue, and so on. So here you take the glory of God, and you pass it through the prism of God, and now you have mercy. Now you have faithfulness. Now you have truth. Now you have how gracious he is. Now you have how perfect he is in judgment. Now you have his holiness. Now you have the perfection of his wrath. And all of these things coming out of it. Amen? The glory of God. Say the glory of God. So now, here we see back in Isaiah, sorry, in Psalm 85 and verse 9, Surely salvation is there thee, that glory might dwell in the land. Surely salvation is there thee, and then it says about us fearing him, so that glory might dwell in the land. That they shall fear the name of the Lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, Isaiah 59 verse 19. Why? So that the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as water cover the sea. Amen? But what are we talking about? We're still talking about the essence of, the, of his majesty and, and who he is. Praise the name of the Lord God forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. Man, look, I'm, I could skip that. All right. Because you got a hold of the fact that the, the glory of God, what it is. He's awesome. Say he's awesome. he's awesome. And our response to him, which is the fear of the Lord, is awe. Yes. Say awe. All right. <laughs> right. And we also, by talking about his son, we, and God hiding Moses in the cleft of the rock, are not, because the thing is, you see, I mean, can you imagine if God could really, absolutely unveil all of himself to us? Whew. Think about that. Think about what that would be like. How would that affect you? Would that produce the fear of the Lord in you? What kind of intimacy would that draw you into? The Bible says that the secret intimacy with God is reserved for them that fear him. For them that will highly magnify him and esteem him. God says unto this man will I look. He that is of a broken and of a contrite heart. And yes, and tremble it at my word. And I tremble it at my word. You see, and like as the sun would so affect you, so the glory of the Lord and so the fear of the Lord will, will affect you in how you think. It will affect you in how you speak. It will affect you in how you act. It will affect your attitudes. It will affect absolutely every single area of your life. It will, it, will, it, will, it will provoke obedience and all of these other things. In fact, um, in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, Solomon, who had tried a few things, by the way. He tried a few things. Yeah. Did he try a few things? Yeah. He tried the money thing. He tried the, 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 12, the 12 or 12 dozen wife thing. He tried all of that. Right? And then he finally concluded, you know what? All of it is vanity. Isn't that right? And then he said, the whole, I've come, here is the final conclusion. That the whole duty of man is to fear God and obey his commandments. And the fear of God obeys God. He said that is the whole duty. It is said in, um, 
in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17, in the, new, the, the, the Amplified Version says that you should conduct yourself with, with true reverence throughout the time of your temporary residence on the earth. King James says, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Proverbs 23 verse 17 says, be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Be in that place. Be in that mindset. Be affected in your thinking, in your speaking, in your attitudes. With what? This deep reverence and this awe of God. Is this magnificent sun continually that brings you to such a way, an awakening? And, I, and uh, um, Proverbs 28 and verse 14 says, Happy, happy is that man that fears the Lord always. He is blessed. Why would he be so happy? Why would he be so blessed? Because, you see, his whole duty and his whole purpose for being here on this earth was what? His whole purpose and his whole duty was to fear God so that he could come to that place where God could so fill him and saturate him with himself inside and outside where the glory of the Lord could be risen upon him. So when, when man comes and he functions in that fear of the Lord, he is functioning in, his, in God's original design for him. So what happened? Fulfillment. Total fulfillment. The Bible says in Psalms 34 and verse 9 and 10, Fear the Lord, you saints, for there is no want. Fear the Lord, you the consecrated ones. For there is no fear to them. There is no want to them that fear him. And then it goes on to say, the young lions, they lack and they suffer hunger. Those that are depending on their own strength, I'm a lion, I'm young, I'm strong. You know what I mean? Whatever the case is, I got all these abilities. They suffer lack, but they that seek the Lord, they that fear the Lord, shall not what? Want any good thing. In the New Testament, Jesus puts it this way. He says, if you abide in me, if you are yoked together with me, and my word abides in you, which means keeping it, obeying it, loving my commandments, delighting yourself in the law of the Lord. He says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen? The fear of the Lord is, is, uh, is the open door to that intimacy, and it is, and, and it is the, the open door to fulfillment. So, um, all right. Now let's, let's begin to Turn the wagon here a little bit. First of all, first of all, let me say this. Ah, uh, uh, okay. The fear of the Lord. Before I go there, let me just let me just let me just settle out a few few other things with the fear of the Lord. We have to have an understanding of the fear of the Lord. Yes, because of the glory of God. But also because we know, for instance, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. It's the beginning of what? Knowledge. All right? But Isaiah 33 and verse 6, 5 and 6, which basically says this, and I'm paraphrasing. God says, and I'm talking like if I'm God now, right? I am one with him. <laughs> and so are you. We are the righteousness of God. But God says, here is my true foundation. And my sure foundation is made up of judgment. It is made up of salvation. It is made up of righteousness. It is made up of wisdom. It is made up of knowledge. And then here's what he says. 
and the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Study it out in other versions. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this true foundation. Can you imagine that? This is the master key to this, uh, for this, to this, to what makes up God's true foundation, his judgment, his righteousness, his truth, his, his, his wisdom, his knowledge, etc. Think of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of what? Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, and knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And then in verse 3, and shall making of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Read the Amplified. The Amplified says, and the fear of the Lord is his delight. Mm -hmm. So here is Jesus. He's got the spirit of wisdom, counsel, might, knowledge, and all of that on him, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And he says, here's the one that I treasure the most. This is what I delight in the most, is the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's the key to everything else. The Bible says in, in, um, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, you're going to find I'm going to be switching between Old and New Testament on purpose. Amen. Right? Because when you understand what the fear of the Lord is, and God is still the same, does God still desire that we should honor him, that we should respect him, that we should reverence him, that we should hold him in high esteem? Amen? All right? So, um, where was I? So in the New Testament, in Hebrews 5 verse 7, it says Jesus was heard because he feared God. Because he feared. And even though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Hebrews 5 verse 8. Even though he was a son, he learned obedience by not giving in to his flesh. Hello? Arm yourself with this mind. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1. And I think this is a personal lesson, lesson of Peter. <laughs> he says, arm yourself with this mind. All right? To, 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 to live the rest of your life not for the will of men, but for the will of God. He says, he that suffers in the flesh, that says no to the flesh, right? He says, the person that says no to the flesh is not going to give in to sin. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, paraphrase. He says, arm yourself with that same mind. That was the mind that Jesus had. Let this mind be in you. You've got it. You've got the mind of Christ. Now let it be. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, this fear of the Lord is, a, is, is God's key to his true foundation. Jesus delights greatly in it. Jesus is our example. And we operate in it, and the Bible says we could be in a place where we want no good thing, and it's a secret to intimate fellowship with God. All right. Now, the question is, what is, how do we, how do we um, harmonize the, the old covenant with the new covenant in the, from the perspective of the fear of the Lord. We know the, or the difference between the old and the new covenant is the cross. But we also know, for instance, from First Corinthians chapter 10 and 11, that the types and the shadows in the old covenant were given for our what? Learning. Well, they were given for, to us as examples that we might learn. And as I said, we are in a, we are in a place of greater revelation than those in the old covenant, isn't it? Isn't that right? Yeah. Right? They were they love, they wanted to see into the things that we are seeing into. Okay. But having said that, in the old covenant, there is a, 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 a tendency um, where 
where the fear of the Lord is taught in a manner to make you afraid. No, I don't want to really put it that way, but okay, <laughs> right? The idea of being afraid. Now, I know sometimes it is taught well, that the fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of God, which it isn't, right? And we don't have any reason to be anyway. But in the Old Testament, there was that type in there. Now, I don't have time to turn to all the scriptures, but I'm going to still throw a few of you. First Samuel chapter 11, verse 7 is an interesting one, right? The enemies, the Amorites, or whoever the king was for the Amorites, were coming against Israel and was going, going to wipe them out. And, and they said, look, we're coming, and we're going we're gonna, to um, we're gonna wipe you guys out unless you make a deal with us. No, no, no. And, and, and they, 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 they got scared, and they asked, can we make a deal with you? Now, let's turn to it quickly. First Samuel chapter 11. Hallelujah. Slow down, slow down. First Samuel 11. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, then Nahash, verse 1, the Amorite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. Right? And they, I mean, they, they're, they're scared here. Can you make a covenant with us, and we're going to serve you? And Nahash, the Amorite, answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may tr thrust out all of your right eyes and laid for a reproach upon all Israel. Okay, I'm going to make a covenant with you, but i got to dig out your right eye. I mean, what a nice deal, eh? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm going to be a one-eye servant of yours. <laughs> and the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days repite, that we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel, and then if there is no man to save us, we're going to come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gibeah and, and, and of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people and all the people lifted up their voices and they wept. They cried. This is bad news. <laughs> and, I mean, and they're scared of these folks, okay? <laughs> and behold, Saul came after the herd, came after the herd out of the field and Saul said, What ailed the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those things. And his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and he cut it up in pieces. And he sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of messengers saying, Whoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, in other words, if you don't come with us, I'm going to go fight those folks. And all of you guys, you're going to come with us. And if you don't come with us, you see this oxen that I cut up in nice little pieces? So shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord, the terror of God, fell on all the people, and they came out with one consent. Get it? Anybody <laughs> <they> say sure? <laughs> but the point is, there was a fear element in there. Do you see that? Amen? And I only say that not, not as an accurate description, but just to, to give you a, a kind of a picture of what happened in the Old Covenant. Amen? In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter, in, in um, 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 10. 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 10. Then Asa was wrought with the seers. No, that's not it. 
Verse 10. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were roamed about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Won't you like the fear of the Lord to come on some of your enemies and then stop messing with you? Right. <laughs> right? But then, but you see, you see the element of fear. All right. And, and we could find many other scriptures like that. Um, you know, Isaiah chapter. There's many, many others, okay? Now, but here is the thing. What, that was, that, that was it, it, and, and, and by the way, I, I should just interject this just a little tiny bit. The issue of the wrath of God, there's the issue of the wrath of God, the judgment of God, and, and, and this fear stuff that is valid that produces this kind of fear. But I must still also still say there is still a misunderstanding a, a misunderstanding regarding the wrath of God. And, you know, where we think of God as, as this, like this human kind of anger where he just loses it. You know, and he goes into a temper tantrum. And, hey, that's, ah. It's not quite like that, okay? It has to do with judgment, but we leave that for another time. All right. Um, but nevertheless, there was still that, that aspect that, uh, that, uh, that, that um, created a certain amount of fear. But what's different in the New Testament? A number of things are different. Number one. The love that was available in the Old Covenant versus the love in the New Covenant are totally different. The love, in the, the love in the Old Covenant, Jesus said concerning that love in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He says, love one another how? As you, uh, as you love yourself. But, but then he's going to go on and say in, in John chapter 13, verse 34, love one another as I have loved you. That's totally different. In the new covenant, we have the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart. They didn't have that in the old covenant. Amen? And as I mentioned before, righteousness is not just reckoned to us. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ. We have a grace that they did not have. And, and, um, hmm. and let me throw in a verse of scripture here. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 5, the essence of that verse is God says, here's the deal. My part of this covenant is I'm going to bring peace and I'm going to bring life to the table. Your part, and I'm going to give it to you for the fear with which you have feared me. In other words, let's make a deal. Let's come into this covenant. You bring the fear of the Lord, the respect and that honor for me and the obedience to me and the other things that come through the fear of the Lord. Learn to walk in my ways. And my part is I'm going to supply peace and I'm going to provide life. Now that was the deal. New covenant. New covenant, the deal is made. Now you know what the weak part of that covenant was. <laughs> right? It wasn't on God, but it was on our part. Right? Not walking in that fear. Not walking in that reverence. Not walking in that obedience. Not hearkening diligently unto his voice and the other things that was involved in that. But in the new covenant, here's the situation. You have a covenant between God the Father... And with who? Jesus. Amen? Can I, I didn't break the covenant? No. This covenant is solid. And here's what happened. And we get, we are part of that covenant by a thing called grace. Remember? 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14. We have obtained glo the glory of God by, by, the, by the gospel, which is the gospel of grace. So we walk in a covenant that is unbreakable, that is established between Jesus right, and, 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 and the Father. And we walk in it by grace. But then grace works by, it is a faith that it might be by grace. And that faith works by love. Amen? Are you with me? So here there's this solid covenant. But we walk in it by grace. 
And the grace that we have is different is, is, is the grace that came through Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm just still pointing out some stuff because when because later on when we see that, all right, the covenant is there, but I'm going to walk in it by grace. But then, I, but then I also we also saw already in Hebrews chapter 12, 28, right? We saw that the grace of God teaches us to walk in the fear of the Lord, right? Titus 2, verse 12, to live soberly and righteously and so on. And the grace of God that bringeth salvation, right? Because you've got a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the grace of God teaches us that, that, uh, that, um, that um, says, let's have grace, that we might serve him with reverence and godly fear, that we might serve him in the fear of the Lord. Amen? And when we see that we're going to walk in this new covenant by grace, but then this grace works by faith, and this faith works by love, and then when we later on begin to see, which we're not going to fully get there tonight, but when we begin to see that the fear of the Lord in the new covenant, the fear of the Lord and the love of God are so parallel, so extremely parallel. Let me show you just a little tiny bit of it for now. The Bible says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you don't have to turn to this one because you know it, but turn to Psalms 31 verse 19. But anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says, I have not seen nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, yes, to, that has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for who? Those for them that love him. Now, in Psalms 31, and we're going to come back at this again in a more amplified way later. But in Psalm 31, verse 19, how great is thy goodness. You see that goodness talk? Which you have laid up for who? For them that? Ah. It didn't say for them that love you, but it said for them that fear. That's in the Psalms. When, when he quoted it back in, in, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, he called it love. Isn't that interesting? Psalms um, 1, 45. <laughs> Who is it? Okay, help me. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. While I'm searching for this, let me give you another thought. Right? Um, you will find, for instance, the fear of the Lord is going gonna, is gonna to talk about obeying God and magnifying his word. Psalms, Psalms 112 says that, um, <coughs> excuse me, blessed is a man that feareth the Lord that delights greatly in God's commands. Does it not? So the fear of the Lord delights greatly in God's command. John chapter 14 verse 22 says, If a man loves me, what is he going to do? He's going to keep my word. He will magnify my word. And it says in 1 John 2, 5, that the way you grow in the love of God is by doing the word. And the fear of the Lord and the issue of the word of God and magnifying the word of God is huge. And you see the same thing in relationship to walking in love. It's in, in Psalms, Isaiah 66 and verse 2 speaks about the fear of the Lord from the context of trembling at his word. Now when you think trembling, you, think, you, you, you might think, uh, you might think some kind of fear of being afraid. Not necessarily. That word trembling has to do again with this awe of God. With this awe of God. Let me show it to you. Think about, think about this, for instance. Remember how it says 
in, um, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. And that's new covenant, by the way. With this reverence for God, with this magnifying God, with this exalting and, and holding his word in high esteem. Psalms 112 says, Psalms 138 and verse 2, God magnifies his word even above his name. One of the things about the fear of the Lord is having the same mind as God. So the man that fears the Lord magnifies God's word and delights greatly in it. You know what? Right? I'm talking about, um, the, about having the same mind as God. The Bible says in, in, in um, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23, that the fear of the Lord tended to life. It tended, and yield, it tended to this life of God. And it also says in um, Romans 8 and verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be what? Spiritually minded is what? It's life. So here the spiritual mindedness produces that life. And we see that the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 19, 23, produces that life. What does that tell us? That the fear of the Lord is also a way of thinking. Amen? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It says in Malachi chapter 3 and I think verse 16, there were those people that were saying, oh, the wicked are prospering and da 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 But then those that fear the Lord, Malachi 3 verse 16, they taught often on the Lord. And it's like they were talking about the Lord. Right? And, God, and they, they were thinking and talking about the Lord often and God heard them. And the Bible says a book of remembrance was made concerning them. Covenant, um, they, they would talk some stuff about, about the fear of the Lord, but in the new covenant, we have a thing called righteousness, so we'll talk about righteousness. Amen? We talk about righteousness as opposed to the fear of the Lord. We talk about walking in love. We will talk about grace. We'll talk about, about, about magnifying God's word and, and the, the authority of the believer. Are you with me? All right, but anyway, I want to go back to this other verse of scripture. So let me find it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalms 145, it's 145. It was 145, but it was a little lower down. Huh? Well, it was verse 19. You should have showed it to me. Is this verse 19? Psalms 145, verse 19 and 20. That doesn't look like it. I must have written something down wrong. Oh, I did write something down wrong. It sounds 147, 19 and 20. Well, there was a seven there somewhere. <laughs> okay, verse 19. He that showed his, that showed, verse 20. He that, he had not dealt so with any nation, as for his judgments, what? It's what? 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 What happened? <sighs> okay. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry, and he will save them that fear him. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. Amen. <laughs> Psalms 145, verse 19 
and 20. 20 says, the Lord preserved all them that love him, and that love him, the verse before was saying, them that fear him. Got it? There we go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God forevermore. All right, let's, let's see. Come on here. You got to do some. Okay, I got to get some stuff happening here. So the fear of, oh, this is critical. Oh, no, no, no. I want you to see some stuff first. We were talking about this trembling. Say trembling. trembling. All right. For instance, <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, work out your salvation how? Fear and trembling. Now, if you think about this trembling, what is this trembling? Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Right? After, after when Jesus called her to share her testimony, the Bible says she was there and she was and with trembling. Because of what? Because of the goodness. Because of what had happened in her body. Remember, when we recognize that God is not counting our sins against us, who's going to be able to stand if he did? Then what happened? But there is forgiveness with God, so here we are in awe. That, is, that, we, that, we, might, that we might fear him. Look at um, Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. And while you're turning there, remember when, remember when, um, remember when in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, when Paul says that I didn't, when Paul says that I don't care to know, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, he says, I don't care to know anything about you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Remember that? And then in the next verse, he says, when I came to you, he says, he says, I didn't come to you with the enticing words of man's wisdom. Actually, that's verse 4. But I came in a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. In verse 3 says, he says, I came with fear and what? Trembling. Does that mean that Paul came to them and Paul came to preach to them? And Paul, guys, I don't want your fear to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's why I'm here. I think I'm coming with fear. No. When he said he came with fear and trembling, he came with such an honor for God. He came magnifying God. And he wanted them to, to switch any allegiance or any confidence they had in flesh or in anything else. He wanted it to turn for them to have a confidence in God and what he had done. Amen? So he does what that was the spirit that he was operating in. That spirit of fear and trembling. In Jeremiah chapter 33 and um, verse 7. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as, a, as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me and I will pardon all their iniquity whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me and it shall be to me a name of joy a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth which shall hear of all the good of all the what? of all the good that I do unto them and they shall what? fear and tremble why? Is it me being afraid of God in this case? No. They shall fear and tremble. Why? For all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto them, that I provided them. In other words, then, man, I mean, they see you so blessed, see you so prosperous, see the goodness of God. I mean, it's like, oh, oh, look at the goodness of God. Look at the glory of the Lord upon them. And, man, they have, they have a fear. They stand in awe. Who is your God? Take me home with you. <laughs> Are you with me? Okay. Again, what is the point? I'm trying to show you there is that, uh, there is that, 
there is that reverence, this deep reverence for God, this honoring of God for who he is, his goodness, his graciousness, the very essence of his being. Now turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. I'm just going to set some stuff up and then, and then we'll, we will just leave it hanging. <laughs> All right? 2 Chronicles. All right. I promise next time I'll be a little bit more methodical. Is that okay? <laughs> and not be scattered all over the place. All right. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 7. Well, let me read verse 6. And said to the judges, Take heed what you do. You judge not for men, but for the Lord, who is with you in judgment. God says, be careful what you do. Whatever decisions you make, be careful what you do. Because you're not judging for men, but you're representing me. And quite frankly, let the, that's part of what the fear of the Lord is to do to you. That it's not just about you. And it's not just for you, but you representing him. And therefore, it permeates you. And he says, I'm with you in judgment. Wherefore, because that is the case, let the fear of the Lord be on you. Take heed and do it. In other words, don't just assume that the fear of the Lord is on you. Don't just assume that you are in this position that you're functioning in the fear of the Lord. Take time out. Pray about it. Pray yourself into this position. Take some time to magnify him, to worship him, to adore him, to think about who he is, how great he is, how faithful he is, how merciful he is. His mercy causes us to be merciful. Take some time and take heed to position yourself. Take heed and make sure that and get that fear of the Lord upon you. Take heed and do it. And then he goes on and amplifies it some more. Because you see, there's no inequity with the Lord. There is no bend. There is no prejudice. So if you've got a bend or you've got a prejudice, deal with it. Because the fear of the Lord don't have any of that. And there's no respect of persons who dress nice and who don't dress nice. Well, therefore, you can or cannot sit in the front seat. There is nothing like that with him. And if that's a problem, deal with it because you're not in the fear of the Lord. And then he says, nor taking of gifts. In other words, in other words if you're going to be bribed or you're, you're looking out for what's in it for me, then you're not in the fear of the Lord. So what is that verse of scripture basically saying? It is basically saying, align yourself with God. Can you see that? So the fear of God aligns you with him. That is why we will find out, teach me your way. That's why you will find out the fear of the Lord, the man that fear of the Lord wants to walk in his way, wants to be aligned with him, wants to have his mind, wants to agree with him. And then when we see that alignment with God, then we're going to start seeing what the fear of the Lord is. Right? We will see that we will see by definition, Hebrews chapter, I mean Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 30 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate, evil, pride, arrogance. Right? And then it says in, 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 in um, and, and the issue of hate is a very important one. It really is, because we can't just, you know, the, the fear of the Lord is hate, evil, pride, arrogance. Yes, it is that, but there is, a, there is an element of emotion that is involved there. 
Let me read it. Hebrews chapter, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, hate pride, hate arrogance, hate the evil way, hate the forward mouth. Do I hate? The issue of the mouth. Not only thinking, not only does the fear of the Lord cause you to think a certain way, to be spiritually minded, new covenant, but the fear of the Lord will also talk, call you to talk a certain way. Why? It's going to say in Psalm 34, and again, we can get into that some more, it says, teach me the fear of the Lord. Psalms 34, verse 11, teach me the fear of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from speaking guile. Seek peace and pursue it. New covenant. Right? Follow peace and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, 15. Isn't that right? So there is that connection. But you see, here's what happens if I can throw it in there quickly. When we get into the new covenant, instead of talking about the fear of the Lord, we talk about pursuing holiness. We talk about pursuing peace. We talk about walking in love. We talk about walking in the spirit. We talk about being spiritually minded. We talk about, about, about the grace of God that teaches. Right? And we talk about, and, 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 but in the meantime, we really still are talking about the fear of the Lord. Let me give you an example. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, talking about the children of Israel, God, they, they, were, they were to come into the promised land. In the right, they were supposed to get an inheritance. But they didn't, did they? Why didn't they? Why did they not? Because the Bible says they died in the wilderness because of their murmuring and because of their disobedience and because of their lack of faith. But then it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, that given that there's a promise that is left us, let us take heed, let us have fear. Lest a promise be left us, we should come short. Isn't that right? It says, in other words, you better mix the promise with what? The fear of the Lord. And then the next verse says, just to clarify it further, right? The gospel didn't profit them not being mixed with faith. They came short because of unbelief. In other words, it substituted the fear of the Lord for faith. Can you see that? Because the fear of the Lord magnifies God and trust God, and exalts God. The fear of God believes that God is good, and his mercy endures forever. That God is so good, he believes that God is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Amen. Is, that, is that faith? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? So, but then you see, the fear of the Lord doesn't stop at faith. The fear of the Lord is also love. Amen? It's also love and faith working by love. So in the new covenant where we have this love and the scene that wasn't there, we have the grace and we have this righteousness, there isn't the same need, but God is still the same. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord is still very valid. It is, in fact, so valid that I believe that, you know, when it speaks in Habakkuk, now, the last verse in Malachi chapter 4, I believe it's verse 6, that speaks about an anointing that was on Elijah. And that an anointing will turn the hearts of the fathers to the son. Amen? And I believe that very anointing is an anointing connected up with the fear of the Lord that will cause the, the glory of the Lord to be risen upon us, that will cause the whole, the, the whole earth to be filled with the glory of the Lord as water covered the sea. Amen? So it is, it is, it is exceedingly important. And going back to the issue of, of, of the mouth, for instance, the Bible says, okay, 
Hebrews, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling, with a deep reverence for God. And then it goes on to say in Philippians 2 verse 13, why are you working out your salvation with fear and trembling? It goes on to say, all the while the Holy Ghost is at work within you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And it says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. It's talking about the fear of the Lord from verse 12, is it not? Without murmuring. What do you mean, what do you mean, what do you mean murmuring? Murmuring is on the inside. If I'm murmuring right now, can you hear me? I might be looking at you funny, but you... <laughs> you see, murmuring is internal. <laughs> but disputing is on the outside. Can you see that? The very attitudes of your heart, how you think. Jesus said, look, you got to deal with it because he says, out of the abundance of the heart, what happened? The mouth speaks. And as a man thinking in his heart, so is he. You're going to end up speaking it. And life and death is where? Power of the tongue. But then it also says, James chapter 3, verse 2, that if a man does not offend him, word, he's a what? Perfect man, able to brighten the whole body. Meaning what? He gives no place to the devil. Ephesians 4, verse 27, give no place to the devil. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Stay angry at the devil. <laughs> let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Ephesians 4, 29. Right? And Ephesians 4, 30, grieve not the spirit of God. Don't, don't deny the Holy Spirit this opportunity to manifest his great goodness. You, when there's a grief, when, you, when somebody grieves, it's because there's a loss. And when corrupt communication comes out of our mouth, the Holy Ghost is hindered and he doesn't get to do his good pleasure. Manifest his great goodness. So he's grieved. It's not that he's mad at you. I might be mad at you. <laughs> but I'm not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hmm, how much further do I go? So, all right, I gotta, I gotta stop. Was that? You guys had enough? <laughs> so here is the thing. <laughs> Saturation point, I said I'm going to go over. I am only wetting your appetite. Again. <laughs> because you see, it is this alignment. That's what it is. And because it's an alignment with God, and as you align yourself with God, what will happen is that all these things, the, all these new covenant uh, uh, ways of the Lord become important. And then I'll tell you something, this is where we're going to go, Lord willing, next week, is that the fear of the Lord is. And then we're going to see the is's.